Here we go. Roll video. I think anybody creating something new must have an adventure. It's not cinema, it's something else. My advice to a young filmmaker is to make a movie every week. The whole bag of movies can be learned in about a day and a half. But suspense is essentially an emotional process. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta make films, you gotta make it, get a scene. Cinema for me is a world of when I dream. Welcome to Behind the Slate. I am your host, Aaron Strand. Today, we are speaking with Emily Marquet. I first met Emily over 15 years ago when we were both NYU acting students at the Stella Adler Studio of Acting. Since then, Emily has gone on to become a filmmaker, cinematographer, production designer, and photographer. She has worked on everything from major TV shows and movies to small micro-budget independent films in the U.S. and the U.K. I am so excited that she has come on as the director of photography for our film, Withdrawal. Ladies and gentlemen, Emily Marquet. How are you doing today, Emily? Hey, yeah, I'm great. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for, for having me doing this. Oh, yeah, of course. And you're, you're phoning in from the U.K. right now, right? Yep, phoning in from London. Oh yeah, my it's gosh. a beautiful gray July day. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be coming back to the States um, in a couple weeks, is that right? Or in a month? Yeah, in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. About a month to the date, actually. Yeah, end of this month. Amazing. Well, let's, let's, I want to start this off by kind of like taking us back through your story because you have a really like interesting journey of how you got to this, got to where you are now. So, Let's, you know, I always like to start because, you know, I think that these stories are important. How did you first get interested in in drama, either acting or film or theater, whatever? Yeah. Well, I hope I think I hope my story is um, inspiring to other people because I feel like I took every single possible wrong turn. <laughs> like I, I took a, I did a lot of U-turns and a lot of um of uh, like opening a door, looking in, and then being like, mm, I don't know about that, and then closing it and moving on to something else. So I I hope that uh, if other people can relate, I'm I'll be really um, excited about that. But yeah, in terms of acting and storytelling, it was it was kind of always there. I was like totally the kid in the neighborhood who was putting on plays, um, like rounding up the kids and like putting on plays in people's backyards and in the living room um in the bathtub <laughs> like <laughs> like bubble baths like i we had these like plastic animals and i remember putting on these like spectacles in there um so it i mean really truly like as far back as i can remember i was really fascinated and into this world um and then uh, my mom was great and uh, i grew up in the suburbs of washington dc in northern virginia and DC has some really like fantastic classical theaters, um, the Folger Shakespeare Library and um, the Shakespeare Theater. So she uh, saw that I was interested and she took me to a lot of theater when I was growing up. And just um, I, I got to see a lot of Shakespeare um, by some really excellent, like top notch um, theater companies. And um, yeah, I just really couldn't get enough. So I was. I was like a total, like total theater nerd. <laughs> I'm sure the word go. 
did you always know that uh, NYU was something that you wanted? At what point did you start that application process? And then once you did get in, you know, what kind of career were you hoping for? Did you think that was in the cards for you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> this is a great question because I totally, at the time, I totally thought I was going to be like the next hot thing, like the next Meryl Streep, as I think, I mean, I, I would hope we all kind of felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the process for NYU was, um, it was just sort of like mentors and people around me. I, I was like doing community theater and doing high school theater. And just, just, I remember actually going back again to my mom, when we would go see a play, she was very good about like being like, now read the bios and see where they studied and like be like thinking about that. Um, as you start looking at colleges. Yeah. So, so NYU would just, it just like would come up like over and over and over again. So it was sort of this like big, like monolith in my mind of this great place. And, um, and then it was, it was like definitely 900% like the dream school, um, like moving to, I went to like a very conservative Catholic high school and like getting to go to New York city and just like, all of that was just like, beyond it was just such a dream come true um and it was also definitely like a bit of like a like a stick it to the man thing like it was it was like um (laughs) yeah like my my again like I went to this very conservative Catholic high school and uh and I remember like when I got in sort of being able to be like I'm gonna go to the big city and like like later and these people were like oh my god like this den of iniquity like this this like dangerous place um so uh so that all felt like for a 17 year old that was all very cool and uh a reason to to go to a place (laughs) um but yeah no I think I totally like I it's, it's, it's interesting to think back, like when you pivot away from something about sort of your, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I was quite, I, if I was like quite mature enough at the time to really realize like how special it was, like how special Stella Adler was and what we were learning was. I, um, I think there was a lot of like active growing in those college years that was super important, but, um, but it was, it, like I feel so honored and privileged to have been able to study there and like experience what we experienced and um, grow and grow as a person. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that maybe my intentions or like my, my motivations for being an actor, I don't think were the most um, noble, I guess, like thinking back on it, I think they were a bit ego driven and I, and I really didn't like, nobody in my family was creative. So I didn't, I didn't really know what a career in, in a creative field looked like and like freelancing, like, like nobody, I didn't know anybody who did that. So I think I was, I was super naive about like what embarking on this journey would look like in the sort of day-to-day living of it. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we relate on absolutely i don't i don't think a a 17 year old is capable of like noble motives for anything uh, especially like their choice of college or their choice of of study um you know we put way i think we put way too much emphasis on decisions that 17 and 18 year olds 
uh, mm. uh, make or like the life they think for themselves. Um, yeah. It's just pretty, it, it was kind of absurd. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm with you. I took it all for granted. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but, you know, hey, you're, you're a kid. I mean, what, what, what do you expect? So what, when you got to NYU, what was your first sort of like experience? Did you enjoy like the, you know, that, that first like kind of fish out of water time? Did you think like, oh shit, like was this, you know, what were you thinking? I, so <laughs> the, I mean, the story that my mom tells is that like our first impression of NYU was walking into the dorm and somebody had like made like a welcome freshman sign out of condoms, like condom wrappers, like pinned to the bulletin board. And, <laughs> he, and she was like, oh my God. <laughs> Like, I'm just going to drop this kid and then, like, get back into the minivan and be like, later. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the, yeah, which <laughs> is so funny. Um, but, like, it, I think, like, the first, God. the first, like, Catholic's couple worst weeks, nightmare. Yeah, I know, truly. <laughs> like, <laughs> Contraception in the yeah, city? I think, yeah. I think it was, it was like, I can't emphasize enough, like, really how sheltered I was, but it was just, it, like, it, it, that was, like, truly shocking. <laughs> <laughs> um so so that was sort of impression number one um but then I mean yeah I was totally like I felt really energized I was really like let's do this I'm gonna take this place by storm um uh yeah like re really excited about Stella Adler was um had like was really geeking out about like the Shakespeare connection and the classical theater, the emphasis on classical theater and just felt like I was like, this is exactly where I'm meant to be. So we were both in this class of like, I think initially it was like 70 people mm. around there um, that were the, the incoming first years at, at Stella Adler. And um, we were like, we weren't like super close that year. We were, we didn't like, we didn't like become friends, you know, we like 70 people, you're inevitably aware of everybody, Yeah. but we weren't like, we weren't like hanging out. So I'm, I, I'm, I, I can't help but ask since we have known each other for so long, what was, what was your first impression of me or what can, what can you remember yeah. uh, from that time? <laughs> I love, I love this question, Aaron, because I, okay, I'm, I'm really about to blow a lot of smoke up your butt but like oh no yeah you to me were i i i was like when when i'm telling people about this project now I, this is like how i describe you is like you were like so tall so handsome like so naturally talented i was like this guy is a star like i, I just really was a bit in awe of you i think and a bit like scared to approach you <laughs> <laughs> um like truly this is truly like my honest memory of 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 what it was like and i i was i was very like cowed i think and a bit like intimidated and uh i was um i was listening to this podcast about tupac and biggie and somebody somebody who was close to tupac says that they like that he like had like a charisma that sparkled um, and it was just one of those like magnetic kind of forces that, uh, is, um, just like one of those people that just like really just like glows when they walk into a room. And, and I'm honest to God, like <laughs> that was 
my impression of you just like full of charisma all right all right you just compared yeah. me to tupac i i think we should just end the podcast here i mean I, we're not, I, i'm not you know let's end on a high note okay all right thank you so much for joining us yeah oh my god i can't i can't handle that compliment i can't i can't i can't accept that uh <laughs> no that's uh, i mean that's truly honestly that was <laughs> so yeah you know it is funny that you mentioned that and like because you know look like in this podcast series or whatever you know trying to be uh, i'm trying to be like as transparent as possible about um not only the artistic experience and and the life of an independent artist and and how you have all these ups and downs and inevitably my life was really um defined by this you know this addiction and then this this transition that i that i went through and Mm -hmm. you know i was a i i was somewhat aware of that um that certain kind of like magnetism that i held i mean like i was getting a lot of like opportunities for free that i wasn't like i wasn't having to like they were just happening to me um at that time and um i guess that you know that 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 feeling that you described which i'm incredibly grateful for like um was maybe was drawing some of that and after i got sober and like after i kind of fucked my life up i there was a long period of time where i was like I guess the magic's gone. Like the sparkle mm. has, has disappeared. Like all, like I wasn't getting those same opportunities once I like had to go back home and started to rebuild my life. I was like, well, I'm, I'm damaged goods now. I don't know if like, I don't know if this is ever coming back, which I think is really the best thing for me because it forced me to like invest in other skills and, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, yeah, like define myself in other ways rather than just like credit people were giving uh, me for free. But uh, it's kind of, mm. it, I don't know. It's just, it's been something that like I have been somewhat aware of uh, and, but like have tried to actively like work against, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's, I feel weird talking about myself like yeah. this. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I do, I am thinking back to, to my first impression of you. I remember you were always someone that I was sort of like, what's the deal with this Emily person? Like she's like, <laughs> And we're like not floating in the same uh, circles. I saw you like, I, I mean, I saw you working and like being a part of it, but I was like, I just didn't know what was up with you. I was like, who is this, you know, who is this girl? And like, what's, what's she about? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't really know. And then I think in the second year we were in a, a group together and, and you had a moment and I've been trying to rack my brain in the last couple of days, uh, like preparing for this. I can't remember the scene it was, but I'm pretty sure it was in Jimmy Tripp's class. Mm. You had a, a a scene, a scene study, and I believe it was Shakespeare, where you like came alive on stage. Do you do you remember what scene this was? Because mm. I have this, I have this distinct memory of you walking, uh, of you getting up to perform a scene in a little black box theater, and just like, just like fucking like coming alive you know what i mean and it was like there's a few moments that i can remember from my time in conservatory of watching other people just like stepping up onto a stage and just becoming this like this light like coming on um and i and you are probably you are the most distinctive memory i have of this and of course i was probably high so i don't remember (laughs) i don't remember the scene or the mo or, or what like any of the circumstances but I do remember like the feeling that that it left. And from that moment on, I was like, oh shit, like Emily Marquet is like an artist artist. Like 
I, and oh, like, uh, you know, and I'm like, I will, like, I will never forget that. You know what I mean? Oh man. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I feel really like, now I feel like Tupac. Wow. What a, <laughs> what a beautiful <laughs> thing to say. Yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't remember. A, mm, um, it's funny because you're not the only person who's actually said this to me about like a moment at Adler, but, uh, of me working on stage, but, uh, but it, it wasn't Shakespeare, but it was a Jimmy Tripp class. It when it was a Chekhov scene. That that's the one that like comes to my mind the most. That maybe that was maybe that was it. I just I I, I remember Jimmy being there, and I remember Jimmy being like like, well, Emily Mark, hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where did you come from? Um, yeah. So uh, so I just assumed it was Shakespeare, but yeah, maybe it was Chekhov. Gosh. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take that. Okay, so now that we were both amazing and we both, yeah, you know, yeah, we were yeah. Both, yeah, we were both awesome. Okay, yeah. so after college, what, <laughs> what 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 was it like transitioning into the real world as a working artist? What did you do? Yeah, <laughs> so I, <laughs> um, I figured out like pretty early. I would say at Adler. And I wasn't, but I wasn't being honest about it, that I, I didn't think I was meant to be an actor. And <laughs> I was like pretty depressed the rest of the time and really like struggling with the identity and what to do, but felt like I couldn't, I couldn't like drop out or like, I, I felt like I was too far in or something that I couldn't like yank the chain and pivot. Um, but yeah. I, but like the, the, the life of like the working actor and the business of it, especially just like really freaked me out and sort of sent me. So, um, sort of towards the end of NYU, I started taking more like political theater classes and, um, had some really cool experiences. But basically when I, when I graduated, I joined this, um, pretty like radical program, um, in Haiti and I moved to Haiti (laughs) and I, uh, it was, I mean, think, think like the Peace Corps, I guess, but, um, but a, a bit different and that I was I was teaching English um this was like 2011 Haiti had just had this like really devastating earthquake um and I pitched to this program to I was sta- like staying at the school stationed at the secondary school that I wanted to make theater and they were like yeah rad like <laughs> go for it so then I I I just sort of had this like these two years um living in Haiti where I um, made theater um, in Haitian Creole with these students and with sort of like the surrounding community. And um, it was a super, it was like an extremely important, uh, like keystone moment. And I guess in my creative journey, it was, it was incredibly, yeah, it was an incredible time. Um, very difficult, like very difficult to live in a developing kind of unstable country like that. Um, like a lot of like confronting of my own biases and like my American centric privilege. And, uh, and that was a a very like important education to have. Um, but yeah, that's what I did. So I really, I really kind of like avoided entering the real world, quote unquote, uh, because I just sort of took myself out. What did, yeah, I'm curious, like, what did you, what did you think you were doing at the time? Like, did you think, like, were you consciously aware, like, oh, like, no, 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 like, this is my mission. This is like, this is what I'm trying to do. Or in reflecting back, was it actually more of a running from sort of situation of like, this is how I can like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I can have this like insulated, like separate li- like life. What do you think that that, that motivation was? 
Yeah, I I think I think I was kind of I think I was running from something. I think I wasn't quite ready to um I don't know, face the music, like go find a paycheck, on a puzzle and like freelance and figure it out. Um and 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 also, I mean it was pretty like it was it was a a really exciting like there was definitely some like romantic glamour, I would say, and like being kind of asked to come down and just sort of have carte blanche to just like make plays. <laughs> um, and it was very punk rock. Like we just used what we had and, you know, would make like crowns out of palm trees and like bed sheets for curtains. Like it was very um, sort of living in this like uh, tight community ethos and sort of like you use what you have. And, and that was all um, super cool. And, and uh, it was a combination of feeling like this is like, you're never really going to have, a similar opportunity to this again like this is sort of once in a lifetime thing where you can just like run off and go and do this and just have like complete artistic freedom um and it was also like it it felt it it did feel like it meant something like it felt like it was important to the students that I was working with it felt like it was really important to like make theater in Haitian Creole um it was during like a very uh a uh, dramatic time in Haiti's history where there was a lot of upheaval and um and to kind of like see students blossom on stage doing theater was just was just like I mean that that's like no other gift I guess to to see that so it was I guess it was a bit of both bit of like running to something and running from something I, I think that that's an amazing answer to the question because like it is it is both I, I and the reason why I even ask is because like as you know and as I, I've mentioned on the show before like my wife's in medicine and so I get to experience her journey and the journey of her colleagues mm. as they move through a career that is incredibly structured and like is really hard and really taxing, but does it's, there's a, the, the, the bumpers of the, um, of the bowling lane are like up and, Mm. and every, and, and it will keep, it will keep moving you as long as you're able to stay standing and keep putting one foot in front of the other, the, the career itself, the momentum will keep pushing you on to the next thing. And there's only a very few moments where you enter a real time of uncertainty of like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And, um, and it's really hard for those people who, you know, have this support system kind of pushing them along. Whereas in the art, in the arts, when you're a working artist, every single day is that uncertainty. Every single day is an opportunity to reassess what the hell am I doing here? Why am I doing this? I mean, you have to. Yeah, and yeah. you have to live, you have to um, uh, become comfortable with that uncertainty in order to keep going on to the next thing. And so you end up with these these major decisions, like moving to Haiti for mm. two years, that that are both at the same time, like taking advantage of an incredible opportunity and also having this sort of like personal component. And I just think that's a really unique aspect of the artistic life that is worth, is worth talking about because these are the moments that so many people... Um, either uh, drop out from or uh, can develop a a self-destructive behavior in order to avoid. I can certainly attest to that. So I don't know. I just think it's really interesting how the arts demand this of us. Yeah, no, truly. Yeah. I I think about that all the time. Like it it feels like you're constantly discerning and constantly like taking the temperature on 
where you should be, what's the next step, how you're doing, like, and um, combined with also the constant, like, like sending all the emails every single day, hunting for jobs. And uh, uh, no, I, I completely relate. I, I, I see that a lot with, with certainly like my brothers and, and different people around me in different career paths, um, uh, like where it's, it's very prescribed. I, I mean, I come from a military family. Um, so, you know, I guess similar to medicine where it is really like one foot after the other. And, um, and like that disconnect and not really having people to, to talk to about it. Um, certainly in my twenties was, was really alienating. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember because so then we, you and I kind of reconnected in like about 2014, 2015, somewhere around there, because I yeah. was, I was living in DC acting in a movie and you were there at the time and, uh, we were able to like become friends, uh, yeah. and, uh, and and this it was a really special time for me because the whole you know i honestly it was that it was that moment of watching you come alive in stella adler which is like the whole reason why i like reached out to you in the first place because i was like oh here's a here's an artist that i can that i can relate to but furthermore it you were like one of the first people from nyu that i was able to like open up to about what i was going through at the time and i was like you know, a couple, I was like a couple years sober. I was still like trying to like get, get one foot in front of the other. I was so embarrassed and ashamed. And like, I was worried of anybody that I reached out to from NYU, like that, um, that I had like treated them badly or that I had been a dick mm. or that like, that, I don't know. I was, my head was all full of, of insecurity. And, uh, anyway, we were able to reconnect. We like went and saw some theater in DC. We'd hang out every couple of weeks. It's just mm. like a wonderful time. Um, uh, that I really value. And I'm curious, uh, you know, now with the value of hindsight, where, where were you in your journey at that moment where we were able to kind of reconnect? Oh man, lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember, I remember it all so specifically, like I remember us going to dinner and you telling me your story. Like I can, rem I can like see the restaurant. It's all very vivid to me. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I was, but no, I was like, I was like booping around DC. I was living at my mom's house. I was freelancing and theater and like, would like pick up a couple of PA gigs here and there. And having that like <laughs> real, <laughs> I mean, so it's so like, you're so naive. I don't know. It's like just amazing sometimes how little you know about anything but, but having that like real like oh man like is this how little money i'm gonna make in theater like oh, <laughs> damn <laughs> um yep <laughs> yep <laughs> and i was like i don't know dating this like loser and we would just like hang out in his mom's basement and just like smoke a lot of weed and just like <laughs> that <laughs> it was just like booping around like i don't know it was it was <laughs> <laughs> I just like come back from Haiti and I was, I had these, like, I was feeling really like, I'm cool. Like I did that. Like that was cool. Yeah. And, but, and then also all these feelings of kind of wasted potential. Like I, like I wasn't, I hadn't turned the corner. Like I wasn't living up to something or I, I was, I was just, just all the like disillusionment. I think that comes from kind of your, your first couple of years of like adult, hood or whatever where you're paying your bills and trying to make your way so yeah uh it was <laughs> an important time like it led to the next thing in my life but um but but yeah like I I uh 
I was just just kind of trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> which is which is really tough. And I think that 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 crashing of ideals and yeah. that like that oh man, this isn't like yeah, I wasn't whisked away to yeah. <laughs> to stardom and success is like is so real and something that um is like not like it's talked about but it's not it's certainly not talked about from a higher education's perspective like they don't mm -hmm. add that support system in because probably a lot of students wouldn't go if that was like a part of the curriculum um <laughs> and uh and i think that like it, it's a really it is a really tough time in the life of 99.9 percent .9 of artists of any discipline um that horrible that horrible crash of like oh this is what it's actually like it's yeah. not it's not the glamour that I had imagined for myself as a 16, 17 year old. Yeah. So at what point did you become interested in working behind the camera? At what point mm. did, did that and film? Cause at this point it was, it sounds like it was all theater. So at what point did, yeah. did you start to shift your focus to film behind the camera, all that? Yeah, it was, um, it was happening gradually during those couple of years that I came back from Haiti. Uh, but it was really, I mean, it was, it was, you were talking to me about parenthood and like the sea changes happening, like deep, the deep, deep currents in you that are moving around. And I, as I was like reflecting on your question, I was, I, I think it was kind of that because I, I, um, I both, both my grandmother and my mom are like amateur photographers and it was around me all the time growing up. Um, and there was a lot of like respect for cameras, uh, in our house. And, um, like they got paid for like some small gigs here and there, but for the most part, they were just doing it for like, for the love of the craft. And, um, like one, one, like really like important part of my childhood is, uh, we, my brothers and I were part of this, um, summer swim team that was like not the most competitive it was it was it was a good time like we it was very it was the kind of thing that like you join when you're six and you're on the same team until you're 18 and you're just like those are your people it was a very uh deep community and um my mom like became the sort of team photographer and she started off as slides but we she and i at the end of the summer would like craft these slideshows like retrospectives of the swim team and they got more and more elaborate like she switched to a dslr camera and then we started incorporating more video and then like i was like editing a lot of this and that was really like the start um and at some point like i got my own like camcorder um for christmas one year i think and started like making little videos so it was like it was always kind of there <laughs> and present and like I saw the amount of like work it took to create something um, and like the love for cameras and like making the image and, and, and all of that was kind of around, like, did I think it, I did, I don't remember anybody, like, I never really thought that it was like a career, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know why, but I just like it, it, I, that, that took me a lot <laughs> longer to figure out. <laughs> um, so it was, yeah, I don't know. Like, and, and we watched a lot of classic films growing up. Um, and so it was like, I was definitely 
interest like like I think if I was being really 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 honest when I would dream about the future and like being an adult and what that meant and where I was it was it was always kind of on a film set um but I didn't like know how to voice that out loud or like I didn't know anybody who worked in film like I didn't know how to get there I didn't really know I yeah so it it I don't know. It really took like a, a many, many years in my twenties to kind of like figure out those roadmaps. But, um, it, t- it also took like, um, to be honest, like I, I, I was fired from a job. I was, uh, I was just in this, in this time in DC that I was <laughs> just running around. I, uh, was working at some small production companies in DC and I got a job at a political ad agency which was just as terrible as it sounds. Like it was really <laughs> soul sucking. Like this was like late 2015 going into the 2016 presidential election. And it was like just terrible. And I was, <laughs> it was just not a good place to be. And it was, uh, and I was not doing a good job for sure. And uh, so I was let go. And that like, firing was really the moment when I was able to be like, okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> what, what are we doing? <laughs> and I, I took like a couple months to kind of do a, uh, uh, a, a true like discernment, like you were talking about earlier of, okay, so like in five years time, like what's the absolute dream in 10 years time, what's like the absolute dream of where you are and what you're doing. Um, and that was when I sort of like, fessed up to myself, I guess, that it was working on a film set. Um, and, um, and yeah, then I, then I just sort of pivoted hard. That's amazing. What, what would you do? What was your, what, how did you go into action? Yeah, I, um, yeah, so I went to film school, which I know is very, it's, is a big debate across the, across whatever the industry but um but it was the right thing for me for sure i went to a film school called london film school um which is does what it says on the tin it's in london um and it's a it's it's just an ma so people were coming from uh people were like a little bit older and some a lot of people were coming from other careers and then switching over to film so that attracted me about it and the other thing that i liked about it was that it um wasn't it you it was like a general filmmaking like practical course it, you didn't have necessarily have a, a department or like a discipline focus and I wasn't because I just didn't I wasn't ready to say like I want to be a director or I want to be a cinematographer um I I wanted to like kind of see what all the departments were about so um so yeah so uh kind of like applied, got in, packed up my stuff, like sold everything, like got a one-way ticket, moved to London. And why, and why London? Why, why go across (laughs) the ocean for this? Yeah. Well, (laughs) um, because one, uh, in terms of like grad school costs, London, like going to school over here was like a quarter of the price (laughs) or growing growing in the States. So that was appealing for sure. Um, uh, and London, it was, London is a very like cosmopolitan international like uh amazing city that I always always loved like anytime I visited it I was like this 
feels great. Like I, uh, I didn't really like, I did, I didn't have that same affinity towards New York city. I guess I was, to be honest, I was kind of like, Oh my God, get me out of here. Like I, <laughs> wow. I just didn't, didn't warm up to it. But, hmm. but, um, London for me, like always had a lot of like, like I, I loved like the history, the romance of it, um, the river running through it and like, uh, the, um, the aesthetics of it, like I find it to be for, like forever aesthetically inspiring and really beautiful to like exist in. Do you have a favorite London set film? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Honestly, it's just funny because this is this is London in a different in a different light, but Mike Lee's naked oh. is <laughs> It, it just that that just feels very true to my experience of the city like the the flats they're always like a little bit cold and you're like bundling up with sweaters like i it the walking around at night like it, it just it 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 just like the rambling old victorian houses divided up into flats like it just it feels it's like yeah like that is what it's like to to be here oh god oh. <laughs> you're selling it really hard <laughs> Oh man, you know how much I love Mike Lee's naked. I mean, oh my god, everything. Mike Lee is just such a badass. Yeah, he's such a badass. Yeah, Elephant's um, grad. Yeah, amazing. Um, okay, so cool. So, so now, so okay, so you're in London. You're getting exposed to everything about film. Yeah. Um, at what point was it like? I mean, are we even close to the cinematography discussion, or were there other? Was there are there more roads to yeah. take? I don't even know. How, what happened next? <laughs> Well, okay, I do. I I have to tell you this one, this story about the first day of film school because this is so. Okay, I'm great. about this is so embarrassing, and yeah, I'm really about I to like it. out myself. Um, and like we've come a long way, and like <laughs> since 2016. But literally, like the first day of film school, I rocked up, and I'd like, I like knew who David Lynch was, and like thought I was cool. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and and sort of <laughs> in my perspective like I, I, the people that I was hanging out with I had like cool all like cinephile taste <laughs> and I remember like sitting in this class and we had our our first term uh tutor who, who was just brilliant like Polish you know just super strict and uh always wore like proper leather shoes and he started talking about Tarkovsky and Eisenstein and I had I had never heard those names before I had no like I had no I was like I have no clue what I just stepped into but like oh man I got schooled so fast (laughs) um but that I mean it was another beautiful thing about about LFS to be honest is like it it really like it I just started watching movies and I just started watching movies from all over the world and like thank god like I really I that was like the best part of that experience was just being like forced to (laughs) realize how little I knew um about cinema and world cinema and just had like my brain just completely exploded were there were there any particular directors that you sort of like latched on to that you hadn't been exposed to before oh my god yes so many um well, I mean, Tarkovsky, as we mentioned, brilliant. Um, like Claire Denis, I think is just a genius. Um, Wong Kar Wai had never heard of him, hadn't seen a single Wong Kar Wai film. 
<laughs> like, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, all of the great sort of like Korean directors and, and Chinese directors, um, just like I'm thinking of the, the, the film that's like spring, summer, fall, winter. Spring. Oh, Kim Kai, Kim Kai Duck. Yeah. That, that was one, that was one that just like blew my mind. Um, oh, I love that movie. That movie yeah. is so, so good. Beautiful. Ugh. Um, all of his other movies also are like real. They're like really shocking. The like shock values like really high. I find them kind of hard to watch, but that movie is so uh, subtle and mm. just incredible. Yeah, I love mm. it. and it, like the American directors, like like um like Orson Welles, like like Touch of Evil. That one really like blew oh, yeah. my mind. Um, yeah. Getting to really like appreciate Hitchcock films for their construction. Like I, I, I think I've just been looking at them from a very like easy standpoint or sort of just like taking them in and stuff but I, I we we psycho was like one of the first films that we watched and um all of a sudden like all these synapses in your brain are going off and you're like this is genius like this is like genius like this the 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 breakdown of shots in any one scene is just like unreal so yeah um, i had a similar hitchcock experience in that i was like I guess it was uh it was more or less right around this time maybe maybe a couple maybe about a year before or like in the timeline um mm. or 2015 or so. Anyway, I I I had just been exposed to like the hero's journey like story structure like for the mm. first time and I was reading, you know, I was reading all the like classic screenwriter books, Save the Cat, The Writer's Journey, et cetera, et cetera. And um was really inspired by the the the, the mono myth and, and Joseph Campbell's work uh, of the hero's journey. And I sat down and so I started doing like hero's journey breakdowns of movies to see it, like if they adhere, like how they adhered to the beat structure or whatever. Oh, wow. And it was like the third movie that I watched was Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. Yeah. And realizing that it not only it, like it hit every beat, it hit every subtlety of every beat and it did it like, all at the perfect like time like to the minute you know like you know they give you these rules of like turn to act two must happen at minute 25 and like all is lost like must happen at minute 75 (laughs) and like rebecca which is like even even an early hitchcock film and no you know and no one was talking about joseph campbell back in the day like at that time uh hit the beats like perfectly and i was just like oh shit like (laughs) (laughs) this guy knows something yeah Yeah, this guy's really really on it oh man like newsflash (laughs) yeah it's hitchcock's awesome yeah 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 (laughs) i know i love those moments of getting schooled uh like as a cinephile or like coming to it later and 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 being like, did you know? That, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like the screwball comedies. Like, hey, did you know that these were great? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. But that's part of the joys, and like that's what's such a fun thing about the movies is is that element of discovery. Um, and one of the things that I try to like fight really hard against, particularly like in the history shows of of this podcast, which is that like, this is like, this is accessible. Like, Mm -hmm. and anyone that tries to make it like just set up uh, barriers to entry of like anybody experiencing these, these movies and like the joy of, of, of finding like, did you know movies from the forties are like actually really entertaining? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Like, 
that's awesome. That is an amazing experience. There's like nothing embarrassing about discovering that when you're 15, 25, 35, 45. I don't give a shit. Like yeah. that that moment of joy and discovery and experiencing the power of images and sound, you know, captured it's just it's awesome yeah. um and there's there's nothing there's like yeah i guess it's like kind of like dorky nerdy but like there's nothing like to be there's no there's no like oh you should have known about this yeah i yeah. think you know what i mean like it's a pure joyful experience like every time okay so at what point yeah. <laughs> at what point did 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 you finally look look through a viewfinder <laughs> <laughs> and decide all right, this is it. This is the one. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, we're we're like forty six minutes in here. <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah, it was it was pretty early on in that in that film school experience. Um, the first year, basically of 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 LFS, you shoot on sixteen millimeter, which is which is such a, I mean, such a beautiful thing. It, like it teaches you so much. Teaches you a lot of discipline. Um, a lot of like respect for film and you just become really like you you just really adore like film emulsion and what it can do and the science behind it so it was it was somewhere in that sort of that first term where I looked through a viewfinder I was like the camera operator on a class exercise and it was something about like the melding of the human to the piece of equipment uh where I was like oh like I think I have an aptitude for this uh and um just became like really like like all of it like checking the gate the process the like technical side like how to build up the camera um unloading and unloading the film like like all of it was just so it's just like magic like it's just this beautiful blend of like science and art and uh it's just really 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 intoxicating so it was somewhere around then that I think I was like like ooh, like this is <laughs> like this is super rad, um, and it's also that beautiful thing where it's like, like figuring out that it's it's all of these things that you've been interested in and loved your whole life, like uh, coming together into one moment in time when you turn the camera over and you're going because it's like the framing, the composition, the light, the shadow, like, and also working with the actors and like breathing with them and uh experiencing the moment with them and uh just just like uh, all of these moments in my life just felt like they had led up to this revelation I guess um loving acting being like this nerd who loved Shakespeare and like loved to read and like loving art history like just just it was just like it was just amazing to think like you could be so lucky that there would be a job that would encapsulate like all of these things that is so inspiring and and um incredibly heartwarming um because <laughs> uh, it's true i mean you have these moments i'm curious before before that moment happened and i say this because this is what's happened to me and something yeah. that i've experienced did you did you have any regret about sort of like you know, the fact that you weren't, you were no longer acting or you were no longer doing experimental theater in Haiti. Was there a sense of like, of loss or like a, a sense of, I don't know, there, there, I, 
I, I just know that like through the many things I have tried over my life, there inevitably becomes a sense of regret or, 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 or questioning that I make the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that then sometimes is what is like the necessary, like emotional lull that then leads to the high of like, Oh shit. Like it all just came together. Yeah. Did you experience any of that? Yeah. Yeah. I ha- I'll be honest. I didn't experience that around saying goodbye to acting. Um, hmm. I, I don't know why, like, it just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Stella Adler just kind of like something about the formality of it there. It felt like kind of off limits to me or something. Like it just didn't, I, I, I knew, I just knew that it wasn't quite the right place for me. So I, I really didn't have any regrets moving away from acting. Um, directing, like, yeah, maybe a little bit. Like I, I thought, I did think going to film school that I would be a director. Um, and I'd seen like um, like Jane Campion's um, films and Agnes Varda's films. I think were really like important in that um, movement. But I guess I I don't know. Like it's it's all kind of felt like pretty natural progressions. I mean, there's definitely been I I I, I relate to what you said about emotional lulls and like feelings of being lost or feelings of like oh my god what am I doing but no I I don't know I everything sort of felt like a like a natural stepping stone to the next thing so now okay so so you you've had this moment with the camera and now you're like okay I think this is what I want to do and yet uh it's sort of like uh, you know just like journeys in life you know it's sort of like you can spend your whole time like scaling this mountain and you crawl over the edge and you like you get to the top you're like okay I've like think I found it and Mm. catching your breath and then gradually you look up and it's this towering peak you know is now in front of you right which is like the journey to becoming a dp yeah Uh, it's like this whole new ladder you have to climb so how did you approach this like next this next phase of the journey yeah completely no completely that's exactly what it's like (laughs) yeah um you're like well okay uh yeah i so i um I don't know. I mean, there were definitely some like side quests in there. I, I just, I mean, I just liked being on set. Like I just was really kind of doing anything I could to just be on set. And, uh, I did a bit of production design in there and that sort of took me on a couple like different projects, which were great and cool. And I think all fed back to cinematography completely. Um, but you did like, production yeah. design on the crown, right? Uh, yeah, I, I did like, I did like, a couple weeks of work experience. On. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I, I, that was, I mean, that was great. Like that, I, that was an amazing, that, that was by far like the biggest budget thing I'd ever been close to. And so just being able to like be in the room in a, on a show like that and um, watch the process was um, really intoxicating and exciting. And, and also realizing it was, it was, it was cool because like the, the conversations that were being had between the director of photography and the production designer were like almost like word for word, the same conversations that we were having at film school. It was just, you just like added some zeros to the end of the budget. <laughs> so, it was, but it was like, like the fundamentals were still exactly the same. And that was very heartwarming to me. Um, yeah. I, I, I felt like the, like people were talking about like the exciting, cool, like creative, juicy stuff in the room. Um, cool. Yeah. So the, 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 uh, 
program ended, um, my visa ended, moved home back in DC. Um, and I was just like, like looking for assistant camera gigs and camera trainee gigs. I, I was shooting a lot of like DSLR, um, like branded content, corporate stuff. Um, and, and then, and then that basically took us into the pandemic. Um, and I was doing a lot of like producer editory kind of one man bandy stuff, um, which was fine and like paying the bills. Um, and then I, this, this super crazy thing happened, which is, I still like can't believe to this day, which is that I, it was like the middle of 2020 and I got a cold email, like completely out of the blue, um, uh, of people I'd never heard of before (laughs) who asked me to be the director of photography on this, uh, feature film. And I, like, I, at the time I was like, this, this is, this is like a prank call. Like, this just never (laughs) happens. And I had this reel on Vimeo, I think of like stuff that I'd done at film school. But, um, but I, I, my, my first response was honestly to turn it down because I was like, I'm not qualified. Like, this is just too crazy to like attempt to climb this mountain. Um, and I talked to like a handful of people about it and they were like, no, you're like, you obviously have to do it. Like you out, you you're you're gonna take this. You're gonna take this and run with it. Like this just yeah. this never comes around. Like even if it's just like I, I don't know. Like you 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 just can't say no to an opportunity like that. So um, so yeah. Big shout out to Austin Lewis and Chelsea Burke who like saw this reel and they uh reached out to me um. <laughs> And, um, and also for them to, because I, I, I really, I like wrote up the email that said like, no, I'm sorry. I think you've got the wrong person. Like I'm not qualified for this. And they responded back like, no, we want you to do this. Um, so I just like really can't, I don't know. It it just means a lot to me that they, um, continue to say like, you can do this. And then for the rest of the process on that creative um, piece like I've it's been just extremely rewarding like from a cl- creative collaborative standpoint of feeling like empowered and like my uh, um, like I had the wherewithal and the knowledge and the experience to be a contributing member of the team yeah so and I've, and I've seen some of the footage like from this project and it looks absolutely gorgeous you were more than <laughs> more than qualified uh, <laughs> to shoot this film of course um and that and and it was looking at um some of the stuff because there was like a trailer out and and then seeing your other stuff and of course we have this you know long now relationship yeah. um uh that prompted me to reach out to you about uh coming on to to withdrawal so i'm curious what what do you remember about the day that i uh, texted you or called you. I can't remember which I did first or emailed you, whatever, got into contact with you. And what do you remember? What do you remember about that? I, yeah, <laughs> I was, oh yes. Yeah, so the day that you called me, I was in Los Angeles and I, um, was like super paranoid about needing to go to the bathroom on our phone call. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> I was just like, this is going to happen to me. Like, this is like, oh, like he's going to be pitching something. Like there's going to be some sort of, like, I felt like there was probably going to be some sort of opportunity. And like, I was going to be like, oh, yeah, uh, like, 
I don't know. I had all these nerves about it. And uh, wait, did you have to go to the bathroom like before the phone call? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I was really like, I. <laughs> Yeah, so I I was I was in Silver Lake and I like was in this rental car, drove around like fi- you, I don't know, found like some alleyway off of some houses and like crouched yeah, yeah. down behind a dumpster. And <laughs> this would be like okay, like, I'm good, <laughs> like I'm good to go. I can do this call. And then and then yeah, I was literally I was parked in like a Seven Eleven parking lot. Um, wait 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 wait! You peed behind a dumpster in Silver Lake to do the phone call. Yeah, yeah, like right before. Yes, yes, yeah. amazing, <laughs> amazing. If, yeah, <laughs> like if the call was supposed to start at like one o'clock, I think it was at like twelve fifty-seven. But I was like, oh, like oh my god, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh this my is god, what's gonna happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, my god, that's incredible. Well, it really highlights a need for more public restrooms. Yeah, really, true. Uh, <laughs> truth uh, only here. Yeah, truth only. Yeah. I love I love also that like okay, just to like take it back to like the very beginning of this podcast series, if anyone's been listening from the beginning, <laughs> you might have been peeing on a Charlie Chaplin Max Sinnet film set because the <laughs> Max Sinnet studio is like right in sil- <laughs> like modern day Silver Lake. Yeah. So just to tie it full circle, you might have been you might have been peeing like <laughs> Where Charlie Chaplin peed, you know, mid shoot. I don't know. I, yeah. I, let's just let's just say you did. Yeah. Um, beautiful. I, I love it. I, I also have. A, I do have a. I also have a lot of pee anxiety before like big things. Like I pee like three or four times just to make sure it's yeah. like not an issue. Even though the second a call starts or whatever, like I'm not thinking about how I have to pee, and I can usually yeah. just hold it. Anyway, <laughs> it's just a weird thing, you know. I I totally relate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that <laughs> so oh that God. was uh, where right. I was at mentally before. <laughs> um, yeah, and then just like so elated, like so excited, um, really, really honored. Um, and it really felt like it was it was one of those true like Hollywood magic moments, I guess, because you're you're like in Los Angeles, all right, you're feeling all the like ooh, ooh <laughs> the Hollywood signs over there, and um, and and like somebody that you really believe in and uh and respect is like pitching you this this insane project that just sounded like oh my god yeah so it was it was just like a super incredible day <laughs> oh man well you know there's of course the all hollywood the, the the hollywood moment of it has this other side because it's you're in los angeles the hollywood side <laughs> getting a call to say would you come to athens georgia <laughs> I've got very little money. Uh, <laughs> I think I even said to you, I was like, here's all the reasons why you would not want to do this project. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, so what was it about this project that attracted you or that excited you? I had nothing but like trust in your leadership with the actors. And when you described it as sort of the the collaborative process of like, developing the dialogue with them and having this long rehearsal process with them. I was like, Oh yeah. Like sign me up. Like that will be sick. Um, and like from your, your rigor as an actor and how seriously you take the craft, like just felt like a really exciting thing to be, to get to be like a fly on the wall and watch that process. Um, and then just like, to be honest, like the, the, 
the tightness of the scripts. Like I, I, I'm really a sucker for like a 24 hour story. Um, and I like, um, small, like interpersonal dramas, um, that still feel huge and like, um, like, you know, these big sea changes in your life. And, um, and, uh, but I like, it just, it just felt like it was, it was a script that was about something that was incredibly important. Um, it felt like it, I mean, it, it always feel, it's always special when I think uh, an artist is brave enough to just lay bare, um, their experiences and be extremely vulnerable and candid, um, sort of warts and all about what you'd gone through. And, um, and so I just like, it just, I had, I had nothing but respect. It, it felt super brave, um, to, um, sort of like not only go through the recovery, but then have the self-reflection and wisdom to be able to like turn that around and, and be like, and now, you know, how can we, like, how can we dramatize this? Or like, how can we, how can we show this in a compelling way? I'm honored that you would say that. I'm, uh, what at, so now we, you and I have been now talking for, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe, couple, um, yeah. time, time is eluding me, but so as, as our development process has gone along, we've been, you know, sharing some film comps, we've started to throw out like, uh, screen grabs, we've talked all about equipment and, mm-hmm. and feeling and the sort of the technical approach you know, at just at this point today, which is we're uh, uh, taping this, you know, still like two months out from our very first shoot, you know, what is, what are you thinking as far as like what you want to bring to the project? And I think more in sort of like a kind of like in that galaxy brain sense of like Mm. going through this, you have this incredible story to like get to hear, you know, how does, how does your experience, your technique, your craft, like apply to this project in particular? Well, I really think that having gotten to study at Stella Adler, it makes me like a much better cinematographer. And um, I hope that I can bring that like pathos and empathy and uh, and breathing in and the impulses with the actors. I, th- I hope I can bring all of that to the camera work. Um, and I think like, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm just saying this because like it, it took me like, I felt like my twenties, I was pretty lost and it took me a little while to like sort of figure, figure out what I wanted to do. Um, but I'm, I'm like pretty skeptical of, of like any sort of early twenties phenom. (laughs) Like I, (laughs) I'm just sort of at a point where I'm like, I just want to hear, I just want to like see things from people who have like been around a little bit longer, like just have, experience a little bit more of life um and uh I and so like just having been able to grow up a little bit and like and not just work in film but like come have a bit of background in theater like having worked a bunch of different jobs like uh like just whatever I don't know like babysitting lifeguarding like working at restaurants like just like just sort of experiencing life through your 20s and trying to find like a creative outlet and like live your life as authentically as possible but still like make your bills and live on your own like I I think that um I think that having a little bit of all of that will will benefit the project um from like both of our standpoints I think I think 
we both have we both have that like having to kind of really like grow up i guess i put a really high value on that um lived experience and that and working with people that um can bring the dedication passion um and commitment required uh, i believe to make um good art but at the same time have other things in their life that yeah. they value you know other than 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 the art and that that well-roundedness i think is a is an intangible quality that is also like completely um that is completely within grasp mm. you know what i mean um for for working artists um that i love what are i'm curious as a just on the cinematography side what are your goals and priorities in approaching this film shoot i think um like the word that i keep thinking about is fearlessness because i think there's a lot of elements of what we've talked about stylistically and where we're going to go where um you, there aren't necessarily like the traditional pretty pretty cinematography things to rely on necessarily like i think i think there's 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 times when you can kind of like be like oh well like maybe the story is a bit like mm, but it's a pretty frame or <laughs> like uh like you can kind of mask a lot of things with like gimmicky camera work and and different things like that and this really feels like both both the actors and the camera are going to be stripped pretty bare and really get into like be very confrontational and direct with the storytelling so um i think it's just sort of every single day of shooting like having a moment of remembering what our guiding principles are and then being willing to like always with every shot like always be living fearlessly um and shooting fearlessly and uh feeling being like sort of a quote-unquote like early DP or like not having years and years and years of experience behind me it's there's definitely a bit of nerves around um not having like the traditional things like the truck and the crew and and uh and stuff like that where I would at least feel like like aesthetically this is very pleasing <laughs> but there's a lot of I think there's a lot of freedom in that and um and uh and bravery so um yeah fearlessness uh, would you want to detail a little bit of some of our conversations thus far? Like, um, you know, I, I know, so I've came, I've come to you and been like, Hey, look, like, you know, I want to shoot this, you know, I, I want to embrace minimalism. Like, first of all, like we just don't really have the budget to like go big, but we also, and also timing wise, you know, I really want to prioritize speed. I want to prioritize natural light. Uh, yeah. We'll get into the camera decisions that are the use of which cameras we're using mm. here. Um, in that we're going to be shooting our main storyline on these, you know, vintage digital eight camcorders. Um, and you know, that I, you know, I really want to embrace all these things, uh, um, as exemplified in, in some movies such as the Cel Thomas Vinterberg's the celebration and, mm -hmm. um, and, and films like that. And so as I threw all this at you, you know, you, I, I've been really impressed of to how, like, how you have like taken that all in like re and we've really had these conversations with each other you know talking about not just the technical aspects but like how how it's making us feel and how we're navigating yeah. those thoughts and feelings would you, would you mind sharing some of that uh process with us yeah sure yeah yeah it's a i think it's like the separation between like intellectually being on board with something and then having that having your emotions catch 
up to that. Um, because as you were pitching me all of these things and, and the Dogma 95 style, it was like, it was like, hell yeah. Like, yeah. Like this is like, we're back in Haiti. Like we're doing it. Like this is really like no <laughs> thrills, just like going for it. And, uh, and being like, and, and I'm, I'm in the midst of post-production on a couple of projects right now that I think have fallen victim to things that you've talked about in terms of like getting hamstrung and running out of money and, uh, or like spending too much money on gear and not enough on, I don't know, pre-production or planning things out ahead of time. And sort of what that, what that does to a project is really crippling. And, uh, but at the, so like intellectually, like you can be like, yes, this is like, this is what filmmaking is all about. Like we're going to be, uh super honest um this is gonna be really gripping um but then i don't know there's this part there was this this part of me from i think i think a bit of it is kind of the like film school brain which really valued like you're shooting on film there's sort of this classical element to how to light uh how to approach a scene um how to approach coverage um that is very um uh traditional and conventional and like you know cinematic lighting is with like a very strong backlight and uh having uh just like having having all of these tools at your disposal um to um make like as beautiful a frame as possible and i think i'd sort of i'd started to become a little bit seduced by that mindset of like, you want the best, you, you know, you want the most like top, uh, top of the line lenses. Like you want the truck, like you want the grip truck, like you want your guys, you want the crew, like, because you know, like it looks good on you. <laughs> like it, it's, it's <laughs> like, it feels good to like make a beautiful image and, and have all the stuff and like have all the gubs and uh and it's also i think a little bit of a power trip when you can like be the one with the light meter and be like oh like let's just call in the the floppy and like 10 guys sort of jump and start doing your bidding like all of that's very uh seductive and cool and like a cool part of being a cinematographer for sure but it's but um but like this this project and our discussions have really sort of made me confront like um like the bullshit level, I guess, in that, or that, like, there's times when that's appropriate, then there's times when that's not appropriate. And uh, meeting the distance, I guess, between where my brain was at and where my heart was at. Um, yeah, it took, it took me a couple of weeks. I love that honesty. I, I love that. I think that that inherent tension is one of the reasons, like, why I want to work with you. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I think that, that that inherent tension within, with, like, within oneself can lead to the, to the most beautiful things because I also don't you know look I've I, I I fire off hot takes and sometimes I talk shit but like <laughs> there's no knocking like the conventional traditional methods of filmmaking and yeah it is I can only imagine how fucking awesome it would be to give a direction or say we need to change this and <laughs> a whole crew you know does does your bidding and and all in service of making something beautiful like no knocking it at all and and of course we could list we could spend hours just listing off 
movies that have gone mm. off to great effect working in this way. Yeah. And um, uh, so, so nothing, nothing against that. Um, I just think that there's, it's like, you know, that's just when you don't have the means to do that, does that mean that you like can't make a movie um, mm. or that you can't make something beautiful? Um, uh, you know, those are the questions that I, you know, am, am, I don't even have an answer to because I don't think I've ever, you know, I've, this is my first feature film. I've never fully done it in a way, you know, I hope, I think that, uh, that art is best when, when, you know, you're asking questions and the act of doing the art is an attempt to answer them. You know what mm. I mean? And, um, and on a personal level, you know, can you make something beautiful for X amount of dollars is a yeah. question that like, I can point to other people who have done it and say, well, they did it and they did it and they did it, but have I done it? Have I figured out how to do that? No. Um, and that's what's, re it re that's what really excites me about, about the process of this film. Cause I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's a great question. And I think like, I think we've been sort of bamboozled to think around this like word of like worthiness in terms of like budgets and stories and films, because there'll be times when I'll be watching, when I'll be watching like a very like, um, like, like, I guess like wholehearted attempt at budget filmmaking, but they're like trying to make a fantasy film or something like that. And I feel myself getting really judgmental of like you like you didn't have enough money for this like why would you even try <laughs> yeah. and uh and i you know it's sort of like i think it's it's really good to uh check that impulse in yourself and and think about it and think about also like like i which i think we've been doing um pretty honestly like okay so this is like this is the budget like let's we these all need to be very conscientious choices um of what we're using and how it looks and um like uh and this all needs to come back to like an honesty in the framing um and be just like super 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 lean and precise in sticking to the story um because i don't know it's just like it's i think that filmmaking's like one of the only art forms where it's like you need this band of people together to practice it and um and you can get really like stuck in fear and in that like worthiness um feeling unworthy um feeling like like oh well like like I can't afford the crane, so it's not worth doing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, like, no, like, totally. Yeah, it's it's so it's I, what I love about it is that when you say it out loud, it's so absurd. Yeah, but but when it's trapped inside your head, it's so real. And, and in a way, I mean, it look like it's just like your conscious brain is like grasping at all these reasons why not to do it, because mm -hmm. deep down, there's a lot of reasons not to do it. It's an incredibly risky ridiculous undertaking with an incredibly low percentage chance of like tangible success. So of course you'll latch on to something absurd, like a crane as to like justifying to yourself while like, well, I just shouldn't even get started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those are, those are the very, those are the very mental pat. Those are the mental thought patterns. Those are the, that's the way our brain tricks us. Um, uh, 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 and I, it's worth talking about because these are these are the things that trip up, I think, artists to every level. And one of the things that I really like, you know, and bringing in this like addiction component 
is that those are the same absurd reasons that people will use to drink or use drugs again. You know what I mean? Like mm. they'll latch on, they'll latch on to some ridiculous conscious thought floating, you know, on top of the sea of like their self. Right. And it'll be like, well, like I didn't get the, I didn't get the crane. Like better, yeah. I might as well drink again. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, I see, yeah. I, I've seen it all the time. And like having worked with so many, you know, addicts and, and drunks, like trying to, trying to change their lives. So it's, it's just shocking how those same thought patterns like roll into your professional life. And, and mm. um, at least that's the, that's from my perspective, you know, how, how I see it. Well, yeah, that's fascinating. So I'm curious, you know, I think we've talked a lot about, we, you've spoken about, you know, what about this project excites you, what, what got you on board, you know, what still, what, what about the project makes you nervous? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, this, uh, the schedule always makes me nervous. <laughs> always, <laughs> and this is true for everything. Um, you know, you always want like another week or something just to, in case of whatever, like, <laughs> um, I, I guess I, I'm nervous. I, I'm nervous about my own like camera operating, like being so, uh, focused on handheld. Um, and just like developing kind of like the nimbleness and responsiveness, um, thinking of like being in the right place at the right time. Um, and uh, I guess like like building up your your reflexes kind of like I, I, I feel like I feel I've been feeling like this impulse to like go to the gym for camera operating in, the, in these couple of months coming up where you just want to feel like you're on your toes and ready and like ready to go. Um, and then I guess also like there's the nervousness around that. I, I you feel on set where it's like long days, <clears throat> you're getting tired. Um, and I think that your like your creative capacities start to shut down. I've, I've seen, I see it happen all the time around maybe like day four or five on sort of like a, a low budget thing or a short film where, um, where things just start to get a little bit sloppy or like things start to get a little lax or you start to move away from what you set out to do initially. Um, and, uh, and, and, or you start moving into that, like, okay, well, let's just get the shot. Like, let's just get the scene in the can, and, like move on. Um, and, uh, like I, we had a really exciting conversation the other week where, where we talked about moving away from traditional coverage. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm nervous that like, um, that, you know, inevitably like we'll, we'll have a couple days where that is inevitably like how we shoot a scene just sort of gets like wide, close, close, like, boop. Okay. Gotta, gotta move on. <laughs> uh, and, um, because I think, like these kind of projects are so rare where you really have carte blanche. Like there is, there is no producer. You can kind of um, do like do, do all the wildest like impulses that you could ever possibly dream of. And um, I guess you just, you never want to feel like you fumbled the bag, I guess, in, in terms of like walking away from the ledge or like you, you got nervous. So you just, uh, uh, or you got scared about how something will cut. So you just like, I don't know, get, go back to, 
safe safety and conventions. Yeah. I love that you brought that that particular aspect up. How do you think we can do what we can beforehand? You know, what sort of preparatory work can we do to avoid that? Yeah, yeah. I'm no, I mean I'm really a sucker for prep. I think I think it's so vitally important. Um I think certainly storyboards, like storyboarding every single moment is like vitally important. And then something that I've really been embracing more is uh, very specific location scouts at the time of day that we think we're going to be shooting, sort of taking out Artemis or taking out, you know, a DSLR, like doing almost like a pre-shoot of things beforehand. Um, It's just, it's just all that, that cliche is super true of like, um, the like Venn diagram, the thing of like the good, cheap or fast. And, uh, we have the luxury right now of, of time at this, at this time. So just being super disciplined about doing as much legwork as possible so that when we walk onto set on the first day, it's like, it's this lens, we're going to be here. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm a, I love prep work. I it just, <laughs> it gets me, it gets me so excited. Um, and I can't help but think, you know, as you share this, um, uh, these concerns, which I absolutely echo, you know, this is where I like, I, 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 I'm a broken record, but this is where as a sports fan, (laughs) I bring, I, I try, this is where I go for my like inspiration or, 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 or advice. You know, I think about, you know, how teams approach like the long haul of a season and sort of the physical torment of a, of a, of a football season or a basketball season and how players prepare. And that's why, like, I spend a lot of time like reading player or coach, books and like this sort of stuff and i think the general consensus seems to be that like it's not just the prep work that you do but the way you approach the prep Mm -hmm. if you if you attack your prep work as hard as you would on the day then all of a sudden you get to show up on the day and play the game you know what i mean and i think that that's the real joy well, that's something that we can all do as filmmakers and artists. And when you bring that attention to detail and sort of the stakes to your prep work, um, then uh, you earn the right to play the sport, the game, you know, mm. what I mean? the game of filmmaking, which is which it, what it should be. This is play. This yeah. is we're, we're play acting. We're playing pretend. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and and you want to protect the sanctity of that space and time. And the way you do that is, is through the prep work, I think. And, um, you know, it's, it's a question that I still also have for myself and is like a big thing because as the, as the, as the leader of this, of this here outfit, um, I feel a lot of responsibility to like, make sure that like my energy is like on point. And when we hit that wall day four or five, you know, like hopefully I'll be, um, uh, in a good enough, uh, that I've done my prep work necessary where I can help um, uh, pick up that energy either to encourage or to, to push or to like uh, dial back, you know, yeah. the, cause at sometimes like that's what you need to do in an artistic process is like to give people a chance to breathe and really be in tune with your, with your collaborators. Um, and sometimes it is, it's totally worth like dialing back the speed of a given day in order to not burn everybody out. So yeah, the, all these, these are a the lot of things that I, that I think about um, and that I think are really important to begin to wrap this up. I kind of want to ask you that, you know, when you look back on this really incredible journey to this point in your career, what has your inner voice been telling you? Yeah. 
this one makes me kind of emotional, but it, it really has been this. And sometimes it's very quiet, but it's, it's always been like, keep going. Like it might, I might not know necessarily like what the career was or what the next steps were, but there was always this deep, deep compunction in me, like a belief that a creative uh, life was my purpose, I guess, my my deeper inner purpose. And um, like, I did all the things like I worked at the corporate production companies, I had, I've had like a bunch of like, you know, sit down desk jobs, like over the years. And there's just always been this like, thesis statement, I guess, of just keep going, like you can do it, you can make it work. And it's definitely been hard, like freelancing, as a creative is no joke, <laughs> no joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it's like one, of, I, it's one of the things that I'm honestly like most proudest of is, is having uh, like been able to like honestly make my rent for the last five years as, as a freelancer um, in the creative industry. Um, and yeah, I mean, some days are, some days are harder than others. Like some days it's, it's a lot easier to like send the email where you, go and like put yourself out there and then get no response. But, um, but there's been, there's been enough like very beautiful serendipitous moments, like, you know, you calling me in Silver Lake or <laughs> getting that cold email out of the blue, um, where, um, where I've, I've maintained, I think, a, a, uh, healthy like belief in myself what are you most grateful for there's i mean so many things there's <laughs> so many things i'm 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 really grateful to the to the directors like you included who um like saw that you know maybe i wasn't like the most technically minded director of photography but um but that like i had like a bit of life experience i came from this acting background i had like um I, I had done other things and they were like, yes, like that's the right person for this project. Somebody with a little bit uh, of worldliness. Um, really grateful <laughs> to, um, to, to you guys for giving me opportunities. Um, really grateful to my family who let me kind of like crash back at the family home like many times <laughs> throughout my 20s, like not pay rent for a, period, a couple months or whatever to like figure out where to go next steps, like next job. Um, really grateful to, um, I've got a really lovely community of friends, um, uh, both, both in the States, but in, in, I'm thinking of in London and specifically where, um, creative, other creative collaborators where we work together, we can like cry together when it's hard and, you know, celebrate each other when we have wins. So, Yes. The thing that I love the most about that and that is almost like the universal answer to this question is it comes back to the people in our lives. And how often do we forget about this in our, you know, myopic view of uh, we want to get this done and we want to achieve this thing and we want to mm. do X, Y, Z. And and art can so often be art the artistic life can be so filled with ephemeral relationships and people coming in and out. And then I know for me, like I'm friends with the people I'm working with at the time. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. not so much friends with them anymore. And like that, and that's really, really tough. But when you look back, it's those moments with people um, 
that are the most important. And I think that speaks to also just like a general like priority of like treating people with respect and the way they should be treated that you start to see of like how important that is, because that's really what matters regardless of whatever you made. Um, what would make this film the best possible experience for you? Mm. Well, I think like actually piggybacking on what you just said, I think what it would make it like the best possible experience for me is if every single member of the team, um, feels like at the end of every single day, like they were an intrinsic part of the creation of the film. Um, and it's just like so much crap <laughs> in, in what we do where like you're the camera trainee and like you never talk to the DP and you are like, oh my God, <laughs> the hierarchy and what am I doing? And like, this all feels so cold. This, <laughs> this is so hard. Like these hours are so long. Like, what is the point? And, uh, and I think what would, what would make it the best project for me is, you know, uh, being like lucky enough and to be in a leadership position with you, like crafting a set where um, everybody feels like um, excited to come to work, <laughs> excited to make something and feels like they, um, they are a valued and uh, important member of the team. Uh, Emily. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Where can people follow you and find out more about your work? Yes. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, Emily Marquet Film. Um, and uh, I've got one short film, um, Wild Man, coming up. It's going to be in a couple of film festivals in the fall. So keep a lookout for that. Um, I'm really excited um, to see where that one goes. And um, yeah, no, it's been it's been a joy amazing can't wait for you get to get back stateside and yeah. uh to get to work in person and uh thanks to everyone who listened and until next time that's a wrap Bye. 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 Bye.